Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey Maddie, how are you? Michael, good afternoon. Um, I've got a question for you. Okay, have fire, you, fire. Have you heard of dumbbells? Yeah, it's my favourite gym. Okay, well I'm not referring to dumbbells in the gym, which by the looks of you, you've never lifted. <laughs> I'm talking about dumbbells I'm sure there as... there's a gym called dumbbells. I reckon that's a great name for a gym. There'd have to be. Hmm. But um, I don't know where. Okay, keep going with your question. Okay, so dumbbells in, in this context is an acronym. And right. So each letter stands for a particular word. And what context are we talking about? We're talking about the parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. Which is known as the... Digesting and resting. Yeah, resting and digesting system. Okay. And so the dumbbells is what happens when you stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. So for example, D stands for diarrhea. Okay. U stands for urination. Does this just mean excessive stimulation? Yeah. So just not a bit of stimulation? Because I don't have diarrhea at all. rest and digest if i were to have a drug that were okay. to stimulate the receptors okay. of the parasympathetic nervous system this could potentially be an effect from overstimulation oh, okay so it's kind of like an exaggerated response yeah the stimulation yeah okay so, so an exaggerated like response. side effects yeah right. so an exaggerated response would be diarrhea Yep. Urination. Okay. Meiosis. Um, what, what is that? What do you think it is? Uh, pupil uh, getting smaller. Cool. Pupil constriction. Uh, <laughs> diarrhea. Oh, no, I said that. <laughs> Keep going. B. Bradycardia. <laughs> yep. B. Bronchoconstriction. <laughs> D. Di- diarrhea. That's my... Oh, I said diarrhea. E. Emesis. <laughs> D. Diarrhea. And L, lacrimation, S, salivation. There's a lot of D, diarrhea. Yeah, there are. And it's just dumbbells. There's only one D. So it's diarrhea, urination, meiosis, bradycardia, bronchoconstriction, emesis, lacrimation, and salivation. Okay, so 
to sum that up, you just asked me, in the parasympathetic context, these would be an exaggerated response when you stimulate receptors. Yeah, what am I stimulating the receptors with? So this is essentially for today's topic is the parasympathetic nervous system specifically focusing on their receptors. And correct the neurotransmitter that stimulates these receptors, okay, which is acetylcholine. Acetylcholine. That's right. So acetylcholine is a very important... Which neuro- is not acronymed, but abbreviated to ACH. Correct. Okay. And so acetylcholine isn't just a neurotransmitter of the parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest. It's actually also a neurotransmitter for the very first part of the sympathetic nervous system. And it's also a neurotransmitter at the neuromuscular junction to tell muscles to contract. It's also a neurotransmitter that's used at the adrenal medulla to tell the adrenal medulla to release adrenaline. And also just the skeletal muscles. And skeletal muscles, yeah. So the somatic neurons. That's right. So the motor neurons. Will be using ACH for its neurotransmitter. And the central nervous system also uh, uses acetylcholine for cognitive function, memory, learning, a whole bunch of stuff. It seems like a lot. Yeah, the acetylcholine is used globally. Okay. So not just parasympathetic nervous system. You mean globally in in your body, not... Around the the world, (laughs) Matthew. Even some unicellular organisms have been shown to utilize acetylcholine. Really? Even using one of the same receptors that we have, which we'll talk about shortly. Okay. So So let's talk about how acetylcholine is made. So this is all summarized under the word cholinergic. Yes. Because our last podcast was adrenergic. Good, good. So when you hear cholinergic, is that just referring to ACH? It's referring to any system that utilizes acetylcholine. And then it's known as a cholinergic system. And its respective receptors. Yep. Okay. So first you wanted to talk about how it's made. Yeah, just very briefly. How is acetylcholine produced? Okay, there are six steps. Okay. This is produced... Can you break it down to two? No. <laughs> There's six steps, which are how it's made, how it's processed, how it is utilized, and then reuptake. Wow. Let's go. With a neuron and all the neurons. All right. Okay. So step one is essentially choline will enter the neuron, okay, with a channel of, with sodium. So together they'll go as a symport. Okay. And... and- Choline is just a water-soluble vitamin-like nutrient that we can get from plants, animals, basically from our diet. Okay. Yep. So it will enter the neuron with the help of sodium, and now it's within the intracellular space Mm -hmm. of the neuron. Now, choline will join its friend, uh, acetylcholine. Yeah. Okay. And they will be bonded together to form ACH by an enzyme. Can I talk... So, acetyl-CoA comes from metabolism of glucose and fats. Okay. So, so basically, when you need to make energy from sugar, you create acetyl-CoA. When you need to make energy from fatty acids, you use acetyl-CoA. Okay. And we'll, we'll leave it there. I was going to ask you to talk about slightly glycolysis, but that's probably a, an area we should... Well, simply put, glucose turns to pyruvate. Yeah. Through a number of steps. Through a number of steps. Pyruvate can then jump into the mitochondria, turn okay. into acetyl-CoA, okay. which is the first important so step. So can it, can it leave in that form? No, okay. it can't. So basically acetyl-CoA and oxaloacetate come together yeah. and they ultimately form 32 molecules. Well, they form multiple molecules of ATP. Okay, so this is happening within the neuron cytoplasm. So this might be a question you might be able, you mightn't be able to answer. Mm-hmm. How is the acetylcholine co- coa sorry floating there? 
Oh, there's, well, acetyl-CoA is always going to be available within that particular cell. So, acetyl- Does that mean the mitochondria of the neuron has been pumping it out, though? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, that's okay. right. So, it's irreversible in the glycolysis pathway. So, it can't turn back to glucose, can't turn back to fats. Okay, that's what I thought you meant, sorry. But it can leave the cell. Okay, all right. Yeah. Or you mean leave the mitochondria? That's what I meant, sorry. Okay, so... Acetyl-CoA yep. joins choline with the help of an enzyme now. This is in step two, by the way, mm-hmm. um, which is called acetyltransferase. Okay. Okay. So now we're in, moving to step three. Now... So we've now made acetyl-choline. Yeah. Acetyl-choline's there hanging out, but it wants to hang out with more friends. So and is this gets, at the synaptic terminal of is, cholinergic is, neurons? It is now. Right. So it's down to the bottom of a neuron, which can be sometimes called the terminal or the... Uh, knob, like Michael used to be called at school. <laughs> Synaptic knob. Okay. so Which, it does, which it, was what I was called. It doesn't hang out there on its own. It gets packaged up into a vesicle. And the vesicle just kind of hangs out together. All right. Okay. From there... So it's not released. It's still in the knob. Uh, that's right. Yes. At the synaptic terminal. Yes. Okay. Correct. Now, what happens is uh, an action potential comes along and... As the action potential comes along the axon, which we know usually occurs with voltage-gated sodium channels, mm-hmm. uh, as it gets towards the, the knob, it um, changes channels into calcium channels. So instead of sodium rushing in down that axon, once it gets to the end, calcium now rushes yeah. in at the very end. That's right. So calcium then binds to the vesicle, which essentially causes the vesicle to go and fuse to the membrane of the synaptic end bulb okay. or knob. And it will go through a process of exocytosis. So releasing its contents. Correct. And into the, the, the synapse, the yeah. synaptic cleft. Which will be either um, between the two neurons, if it's parasympathetic, so okay. between the pre and post. Could be sympathetic. Or, or sympathetic. Yeah. Or between the... Well, it could be so also, you could say autonomic ganglia, is what you could say. could say that, or you could say the post synaptic neuron and parasympathetic which will then go to its effector which we'll talk about or it could go from a a somatic neuron to the muscle yes okay so uh, but in it could go from a preganglionic sympathetic neuron to the adrenal gland okay all right or it could even be released in the central nervous system yeah all right everyone's getting confused now okay keep going so anyway it's now spilled a clot across a synapse all right space so this is step four, okay? So that's the spilling will either do two things. It will bind to the postsynaptic receptor, yeah, which will be a cholinergic receptor, uh-huh. or it goes back to the same neuron, which is a presynaptic neuron. So it gets and binds like this reuptake back into the presynaptic, but on the outside of the membrane, oh, okay. and that's a negative feedback. So that would prevent further ACH being secreted. Oh, because it's basically saying, hey, there's heaps out here. Yeah. Don't release any more. Correct. All right. And then, whilst we have the binding in the synapse, any kind of ACH that's floating around in that synapse, because most of it will hopefully bind to a receptor to cause a function. Mm-hmm. But any that hang around in that synapse will get broken down by another enzyme, yeah. which is called acetylcholinesterase. Okay. So, acetylcholinesterase is like a little Pac-Man that gobbles up any... Residual. It's more like Thor with a big hammer that smashes it in half. Really? That's what I'm going to use today. So I use (laughs) a 1980s reference of Pac-Man and you'll use a more contemporary reference, Marvel (laughs) reference. That's right. 
Of, and uh, as it smacks it in half, yeah, it breaks it back into choline and acetate. Okay. Choline gets reuptake back yep. into the neuron. Yep. And that will go back up to step one. Oh, gotcha. Now, go, let's start back at step one. Yeah. Step one. No, I'm not going to go. All right. Thank God for that. All right. So, did that make sense? It made sense. Okay. All right. Um, I could have said it faster, but that's fine. Now, let's look <laughs> at the... <laughs> so, shall we now look at the parasympathetic nervous system briefly or should we talk about yeah let's talk about parasympathetic nervous system and effects so the parasympathetic nervous system, dumbbells okay dumbbells that's right so the parasympathetic nervous system is that rest and digest so i want you to think about what happens to your body when you're relaxing and eating food so one of the things if you were to look in a mirror when you're relaxed eating food you'll see that <laughs> as you're you do. as you do this is what i do the only way i eat is in front of a mirror how else am i gonna have a conversation with somebody who will listen to me so I'll look into the mirror and I'll see that my pupils will constrict. That's one of the things. I'll see that my salivary glands within my mouth start to salivate. Right. I feel my tummy rumbling and gastric motility increases. Enzymes within my stomach increases as well. Um, I'll also see that I begin to... Well, what else happens? My bronchioles constrict. My airways constrict. I don't need to let that much air in. Right your heart. I'll think. put my hand on my heart and I feel that the heart rate and contractile force decreases. Urinary bladder. And I tend to uh, micturate, which is urinate. Whilst you're eating. Whilst I'm eating, yes. I, wow. as, it's I, a difficult process. I know. And I tend... <laughs> well, I don't want to go into... Oh, okay, so we're done. Reproductive. <laughs> So this, these are some of the effects of the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, again, it's because I, I want to compare and contrast the parasympathetic with the sympathetic very briefly. Both exit the spinal cord, sympathetic mm-hmm. and parasympathetic, at different levels. Parasympathetic exits at the cranial area of the spinal cord and the sacral area. All right? the, so they sometimes call it the craniosacral. Yes. Uh, the sympathetic exits at the thoracic and lumbar area. So what would they call that? Thoracolumbar. Okay. Now, from the spinal cord, it's a two-neuron chain. One neuron coming out, synapses with a second neuron that then goes to the effector. And the effector may be the heart, maybe the lungs, digestive system, pupils, whatever we're talking about. Okay. Now, here's the thing. For both sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, the first neuron that comes out called the what? Pre-synaptic or pre-ganglionic neuron oh, pre-ganglionic. for both sympathetic and parasympathetic will release acetylcholine. Mm-hmm. And that acetylcholine for both of those systems will bind to an acetylcholine specific receptor known as a nicotinic receptor. Why is it called that? Because we realize that nicotine, that wonderful drug that too many people intake, stimulates this receptor. Okay. And all of that euphoric effect that you get from nicotine is because of its stimulatory effect on this receptor in the central nervous system. And also one of the reasons why you get a bit jittery sometimes if you smoke a cigarette. Uh, Anyway, so that's one point. Now, that second neuron that comes out in a way, for the sympathetic nervous system, we've spoken about in the previous podcast. Adrenaline. Yeah, it releases adrenaline or noradrenaline to the effector. Again, heart, lungs, eyes, pupils, whatever it may be, right? But for the parasympathetic nervous system, it again releases acetylcholine. And this time, it doesn't bind to a, a nicotinic receptor. It binds to the other type of receptor that acetylcholine can bind to, known as what? Muscarinic 
muscarinic. She's named after a mushroom, I think. Yeah. Because they found that a particular mushroom was able to stimulate it. Just those ones, though. Just that type of mushroom. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, now, these muscarinic receptors are located on all the organs that the parasympathetic nervous system need to stimulate or inhibit. There's five types of muscarinic receptors. Five? Yeah. But I don't remember all those. We're going to go through three because four and five we don't really care too much about in this lecture. So... Presumably, they are numbered. Yes. Muscarinic receptor one. Two, three, four, and five. <laughs> oh, I was just starting <laughs> at number one. <laughs> so number one, where are these receptors located? Uh, I think there's only one. Or the main one that I know is in the stomach. Yes. So this is the gastric glands. Yes. So the... Released in stomach acid. So they're called parietal cells. Okay. So the parietal cells release hydrochloric acid and yeah. something called intrinsic factor that allows for us to uh, absorb B12 in our intestines. Uh, but again, it releases hydrochloric acid, which aids in protein digestion. And so when you release acetylcholine and it binds to M1 receptors, it will stimulate basically gastric secretions. You okay with that? Keep talking. To aid in digestion. Now, when we look at M2, which are the second type of muscarinic receptors, you'll find these receptors are located at the heart. Now, when you stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system to release acetylcholine and it binds to M2 receptors at the heart, it doesn't speed the heart up like adrenaline does when it binds to adrenergic beta-1 receptors. It slows the heart down. Okay, we'll get to why that is in a second. Okay. Keep going to M3. M3. These are located on the smooth muscle of the body, yep. which includes that of the GIT, for example. It's so located... Smooth, smooth muscle and glands. That's right. And loca- So exocrine glands as well. Okay. What, what's the difference between endocrine and exocrine? Endocrine just... Um, well, crying is crying, cell crying. Yep. But the tears for exocrine goes into ducks, whereas... Like the, quack, quack ducks? No. Um, like hollow tube ducts. Hollow tube, yeah. Yep. Which goes into a more of a localised area. Okay. Whereas um, endocrine, so the tears for endocrine goes into blood vessels. Okay, cool. So that would be more hormonal based. All right, so in this case, we're saying that M3 stimulates exocrine glands specific to the parasympathetic nervous system. So these will be those for lacrimation, salivation, uh, sweating, and also for those of gastric secretions. Yeah, but I'm just not sure with sweating because I think sweating is more to do with more nicotinic, isn't it? Than muscarinic. Maybe. I think it's... Maybe you're right. I think it's nicotinic. Maybe they're nicotinic receptors. Yeah. All right. M4 and M5, they're located in the brain. Uh, We won't stress too much about that because we're looking at predominantly more of the peripheral effects of using acetylcholine. All right. Now, if you stimulate the nicotinic receptors, like I've said before, what's going to very quickly happen is stimulates the... So there's two types. Two types of what? Nicotinic? Yeah, there's NM NM and NN. Okay, so what what are these two types? The the NN are to other neurons. So we spoke about that would be the preganglionic to the the preganglionic in the ANS. Yeah, so okay. both sympathetic and parasympathetic, yeah. yeah. And the, the neuromuscular junction of muscles. Scleral so that's muscles. N-N. N-M. N-M, okay. For M for muscle. So what's N-N? Neuron. 
The N is for neurons. Oh, so the N is for sympathetic, parasympathetic, preganglionic neurons. Right. And the NM is for neuromuscular junction. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. And NM will also be located on the adrenal medulla too to release adrenaline. That would be probably yes. NN. Did you say NN? I said NN, yeah. Okay, sorry. Well, it's hard to say N and M. It sounds exactly the same, yeah. right? All right. Now, let's have a look at why Wait. does... So we said that when you stimulate M1 receptors, it releases all these gastric enzymes. You stimulate M2 receptors and it inhibits the heart. Mm-hmm. But you stimulate M3 receptors and it stimulates constriction of smooth muscle, stimulates the bladder to constrict and release urine, stimulates all these other glands to release enzymes and their secretions. So why does M1 and M3 result in this constriction or activation and this M2 result in this inhibition? So either way, acetylcholine, when it when it binds to these muscarinic receptors, they're coupled to a G protein. And these are just kind of like embedded within the cell membrane that moves along the membrane and causes uh, another kind of enzymatic effect. Okay. Okay. Now there's two types of G proteins in the muscarinic categories. There's GQ and GI. Okay. GI stands for inhibitory and GQ is going to essentially open calcium channels, which is going to cause calcium to enter the the effector organ. Okay, so when calcium enters a, a neuron, right, or yeah. an effector organ, because it's positively charged, it's going to usually result in some sort of depolarization event, which is stimulatory, yep. right? Yep. So, that's, so when you say GQ is stimulatory because it lets calcium in, it's because calcium results in depolarization. That means you're bringing that negative charge inside that cell or neuron up to its threshold and stimulating some sort of signal to be sent. So that's why M1 and M3... Yeah, so if you stimulate the gastric parietal cells, it's getting stimulated and it's going to release its acid. Gotcha. If you then go to M3, Mm. which is going to have a combination of uh, glands and smooth muscle, if you contract the smooth muscle of the eye, specifically for the pupil... It's going to constrict. Yeah, it gets smaller. If you yeah. go to the smooth muscle, the bronchioles, it's going to constrict. Uh-huh. So bronchoconstriction. If it goes to the GIT, you're going to get peristalsis. What about the bladder? If you t- stimulate that, yep. So you're going to stimulate at least the, the the body of it, so the detrusor muscle, which will squeeze the urine out. Uh huh. And you probably got a degree of um, inhibition to the sphincters. So there's probably in M2. Yeah. If I'm just going to work off first principles. It's probably the sphincters in the GI and the urinary tract, which is probably going to be inhibited. Gotcha. Okay. That would, that would be my guess from first principle. All right. That makes sense. Uh, then, you, then you've then you also got... And so, the, did I say GIT peristalsis? No. Okay. So, that's going to be for M3 as well. Okay. And you're going to contract that. So, so M3 the, seems to be an extremely abundant... It's a big, it's a big one. And so, okay. a lot of the drugs will work off the back of that one. All right. And then finally, you've got your exocrine glands, which would be salivation and lacrimation. As well as probably the enzymes in, I'm going to guess as well, pancreas yep. and probably bile. Okay. I would, I would imagine that's... And I know bile's released with CCK, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if the the vagus nerve acts down there as well. I mean, I know, that, I know the vagus nerve acts efferently in terms of motor response yeah. to heart, lungs, 
most of the gut. So that's going to be foregut, midgut. Um, yeah, foregut, midgut, not hindgut. Hindgut will get sacral branches of yep. the parasympathetic. So when we said parasympathetic is craniosacral, mm. the cranio portion is predominantly going to be vagal efferents, right? Well, you've got others there. You're going to have... So um, are these the cranial nerves we're talking about when we talk about the cranial neurons coming out for the parasympathetic Not all of them system? because the cranial nerves, you've got 12. Okay. But the parasympathetic portion of those 12 is going to be 3, 7, 9, and 10. Okay. So, so let, me, let me just do this. Okay. So cranial nerve 3 is the ocular motor nerve. Correct. Okay, what's that do? What, the cranial nerve or just for the parasympathetic? Oh, just the, the parasympathetic division of cranial nerve 3, ocular motor, does what? Uh, if stimulated. Yeah, it's going to definitely pupil constrict. Okay. Probably also plays around with the lens and um, probably also to do with blood vessels. But not, not lifting the eyelid, no. not movement of the eye, superior, no. inferior or, or It comes from a new, oh, I'm mean, just to add a bit of detail into it. But it's, it comes out of a, a nucleus called the Edinger-Westphal nucleus, okay. which is in the midbrain. And the interesting part about this is because the rest of the the rest of the ocular motor nerve is completely skeletal muscle, uh-huh. which is moving your eye eye muscles to move your eye. Yeah. So the the most inner part of the nerve ocular motor is skeletal muscle nerve stimuli. Huh. Okay. The outer part of the nerve is parasympathetic. Wow. Now, the reason I'm telling you this, because you're looking at me funny. No, no, no. Is I'm finding this absolutely f- <sighs> fascinating. When you have brain injury, or you've got um, head injury, I should say. Yes. And you've got bleeding into the brain, mm-hmm. and the brain starts to get pushed down on. Mm. One of the first nerves it pushes on oh, is, is ocular, ocular motor. Uh-huh. And because the parasympathetic on the outside... It's first affected. It's first affected, and the first sign that you see with an intracranial pressure is your pupils dilate because you're turning off the parasympathetic. So that's why if, if you watch the boxing, they always walk in after every round and shine a flashlight into their pupils to see whether they've had any hemorrhaging. Could do, yeah. Mm. Um, but And that would give... That's why you've got to shine light into both eyes. Yes. Because if you knock off one ocular motor, you might not know unless you do both sides. Gotcha. Okay. Makes well, sense. that's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. All right, so that's the ocular motor cranial nerve yeah parasympathetic division what about the parasympathetic division of cranial nerve seven which is the facial nerve what's that do so facial um comes from the in terms of parasympathetic yeah parasympathetic okay so that's going to go and uh innovate the salivary glands and the and the parotid specifically i'm quite sure no that's or is nine it... that's nine. Oh, sorry sublingual submandibular yeah, and what facial does my bad and your eye Yes, so, so the, lacrimation. La- lacrimation. Yeah. So, and the way I always remember this one is the term crocodile tears. Okay, go on. And so in reptiles, well, I'd assume reptiles because crocodiles do it. When they eat, they cry. Okay, me too, because I'm in front of that mirror. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. Yeah. Um, so because their facial nerves that don't have a separation of path, when they are salivating, they're also crying. And this is wow. the term crocodile tears. Wow. So it's not true tears. Hmm, that's, um, that's from the parasympathetic portion of the facial nerve. All right. That's okay. cool. All right. Whereas the glossopharyngeal... Which I haven't got to yet. Oh, okay. Which is cranial nerve nine. Right. The, the parasympathetic division of the glossopharyngeal. Yeah, that predominantly will go to um, the parotid gland. Okay. So that's part otted means near the ear. Yeah. Which 
um, also helps with salivation. And has is pretty much the only one of those three salivary glands, parotid, sublingual, submandibular, that releases amylase to break down... Oh, that's the only one. Starch, yeah. There we go. Yeah. And it's predominantly affected with mumps. So you yes. get a swollen parotid gland. Yeah. Horrible. And I think you can get stones in there as well, which causes obviously really? pain. Really? Yeah. Wow. All right, and then the last one, which is the most important, being the vagus nerve, and vagus means wandering nerve. Because it wanders quite a distance. It's the only one of the cranial nerves that goes beyond the head and neck. So if you were to have a look at an you image... You probably argue accessory, because that goes to trapezius. Yeah, well, it's the only one that goes below <laughs> the head and neck. How's that? Um, so if we were to look at... The vagus nerve, like I said, meaning the wanderer. Where is it sending its signals? Where where are these neurons innovating? From a motor point of view? From a motor point of view, because we're talking parasympathetic. Okay, all right. Uh, heart, well, firstly, let's just... We're going to be accurate. It's going to go to... No, you're saying parasympathetic. Sorry. That's right. Um, heart, bronchioles, GIT. Yeah. Um... GIT all the way up to the, if you're going to do it from an embryology point of view, two-thirds transverse colon. That's okay. where it should end yeah. from a embryology standpoint, right. which is technically where the hindgut begins. And so the rest of that bowel is going to be innervated by sacral. neurons coming out of the sacral area. Yes, because S234 keeps poo off the floor. Gotcha. I like that. Which is important for you when you're eating in the mirror. Yes. I was wondering why... Sacral irritation led to... Uh... Okay, moving so, on. Yeah, okay, so... Um, well, what we've spoken about so far is we've spoken about acetylcholine, how it's produced. We've spoken about its role at particular nicotinic and muscarinic receptors. We've spoken about the different types of muscarinic receptors, where they're located and what they do. And we've also spoken about the cranial nerves involved in the parasympathetic nervous system that when releasing acetylcholine will have their particular effects. So, what else do you want to talk about? I think that's really it, because I think we, that our next lecture that will follow this will be the drugs that act on these receptors. Good and, idea. And so, rather than go into that next step, we might, might as well cut it early. And talk about f- next podcast, cholinergic pharmacology. So, can I just quickly say something? Oh, sure. I just wanted to say to everyone, this is a bit of housekeeping. Oh, okay. So, we are on Patreon now. So, if you have a look at medical podcast on patreon or dr matt and dr mike's medical podcast or dr matt and dr mike's medical education on podcast on patreon sorry please please if you want you don't have to but if you want to support us it allows for us to buy better microphones so you can hear us better there should be better today there should be better today but if you want us to keep doing this please think about donating to us you can donate five dollars a month $10 a month, $15 a month, $30 a month. There's actually rewards for each increasing amount. So, What are they? So, for example, if you're at $5 a month and you continually do this for six months, you will get Dr. Matt, Dr. Mike's medical merchandise. That's going to be hats. That's going to be t-shirts. That's going to be pens, papers, things like that. I don't know, a whole bunch of stuff. But if you start to donate in increasing amounts, we'll do podcasts specifically on topics that you want. We will even do some tutorials. We'll do online shoots for you and your friends on particular topics. Just go and have a look at patreon.com forward slash medical podcast 
or type in Dr. Matt, Dr. Mike's medical education on Patreon and have a look at the different levels. In addition to that, you know that we've got our YouTube channel and we've got over 300 videos explaining anatomy, physiology, pathophysiology and pharmacology. Have a look. And I've just started an Instagram account for Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike and the Instagram account will have five minute videos discussing these topics, okay? So it's me standing there at a whiteboard talking about, for example, cholinergic medication, talking about the pancreas and so forth. If you wanna find me on Instagram, it's at Dr. Mike Todorovic, all one word. That's at D-R-M-I-K-E-T-O-D-O-R-O-V-I-C. Very good. Probably should have changed that to something a bit easier, but... It's a really, it's, it's taken off. It's done really well. Mm. So anything else? And all those videos go onto YouTube anyway. Yeah, all the videos that I put on Instagram go on YouTube. And so they've got these nice short five minute videos. Anything else, Matty boy? No, I think you've wrapped it up well. So the following podcast from today, we will talk about the drugs that will both activate, but also block the cholinergic receptors. Is that fair? Sounds great to me, Matty. Okay. See everyone next time. Sounds good. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.